It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I think I'm going to come back next weekend just for the cotton candy, because who doesn't love cotton candy? Um, I know I do. It's, it's the best. Uh, this weekend typically marks the end of summer, which you all are aware of, and that means for you students sitting in the front row here and scattered throughout the uh, congregation here, that means the dreaded end of summer break and which also means you're stepping into school. I know where I work, there's already some students who are already in class for this past week and a half, which kind of blows my mind because it's always after Labor Day that school starts. But with that, I understand where you're sitting. I am in the middle of my master's program, so I'm going back to school as well, and I am looking forward to it, kind of. I would rather just be done and enjoying life as is. But with fall also comes the beautiful cool weather that we've been experiencing over the past couple weeks. It also comes opportunity to step into something new and think about what might be next for us. Growing up, I wanted summer to be a place where I would have my thumbprint cemented on. I wanted it to be a place where I would always remember the adventures that I took, whether it was a week at the cabin with my friends or whatever it might have been in the neighborhoods playing capture the flag or whatever we did with our group of friends, I wanted summer to be never forgotten. And so what would happen is I would wake up, I would eat breakfast, I would hop on my little huffy bicycle and I would bike to my friend's house and we would spend the day doing loads and loads of fun things and then I would come back for dinner. It would be unforgettable. I remember story after story of what we would do throughout the summer. And the title of my sermon is Living and Leaving a Legacy because as we head into the fall, I think that it is vital for us to remember that it is our duty, as you have been hearing over the past few weeks about being kingdom people, it is our duty to live a legacy, but not to stop there. We need to leave a legacy as well. And so heading into the fall, this is an opportunity for us to put our thumbprint on leaving that legacy in whatever we do. I want to start out by telling you a true story about a guy by the name of Gallus Brighton Moser and his uh, great nephew, Danny Wallace. So Danny Wallace was between jobs and having recently left a position as a producer for BBC TV in London, he heard about his great uncle's uh, death. And so he decided to go to his funeral. And so while Danny went to Switzerland for the funeral, he heard stories about his great uncle. And so he decided to hear these stories, to sit in these stories. And he had uh, this idea, his great uncle had this idea that he pursued. He bought a farm, and he wanted to invite others to be a part of him. It was just after World War II and where he was living, there was a lot of gossip and slandering that was happening. And so he wanted to do life with others and work and live with them and be in community with them to do good. And so his his idea was put into motion, and he sent out letters, and he got three people to come with him and live with him. And his goal was 100. That's not very good. And so after a week of this, he decided, hey, I'm done with this. I'm not going to continue with this. I only had three out of my goal of 100, so I'm going to be done and over with it. And can you imagine his family and his friends sitting with him and thinking about this idea and saying, this was a crock of an idea. What were you thinking, inviting 100 people to come live with you? You only got three. Great idea. Great idea. And that is something that uh, Danny thought to himself, I like what he was doing. 
And so he said, I'm going to do something similar. And so Danny came home, and he followed his great uncle's quest for community. And so Danny uh, heard about this quest, and he sent uh, a little ad in a small newspaper, and all it said in a tribute to him, it said, join me, send one passport-sized photo to this address. And a few days later, Danny got his first joinee. It was a guy by the name of Christian Jones who included a photo of himself, but he also included a menu from an Indian restaurant near his home. And so he had his first joinee, and he started a website, and he asked the same thing, join me, send one passport-sized photo. And so why had people joined? They joined because they wanted to be a part of something, and in a matter of a week, he had 101 people who wanted to be a part of something. He surpassed his great uncle's goal of 100, so there was something to this. Within weeks, he had a group of people that were doing things for no reason other than to belong, and Danny was astounded and a bit put out. His joinees now expected him to give meaning to this. They expected him to have purpose to this, but it had no purpose until he came out with one. So he sent out an email where he revealed his plans for this group. They would be known as Join Me, in which their purpose was to undertake random acts of kindness one time per week. So Join Me had its marching orders. One person would buy a sandwich and give it to a person outside of that restaurant. One person would buy a newspaper and give it to somebody in the park. Lunches were bought, groceries were carried, all in the name of doing good because they wanted to be a part of this organization called Join Me. And it continued to grow worldwide. Thousands and thousands of people joined this group so that they could be a part of something. They had no meetings, no dues, no regulations to follow. Gallus Breitenmoser left a legacy. And in no way did he think that this vision of this farm to live in community would be passed on to his great nephew. But it did. He left a legacy. And that legacy still remained after he died and had a far greater impact than he ever could have imagined. So Dallas left this legacy for his son, or for his great nephew. And these group of do-gooders who wanted to have a positive incognito effect on others around them were doing that. But what does it look like for us as kingdom followers to live and to leave a legacy? How can we, with a kingdom perspective, live and leave a legacy? We see in Scripture so many different accounts of people who have lived legacies. But if you only live a legacy, is it worth it? I don't think so. I think we need to pass on this vision of something greater than just this current life. And so we see Jesus, who is a good example of doing these things, and good is probably an understatement. He is a phenomenal example of living and leaving a legacy, and we see him doing this time and time again. Jesus is a great example of being extremely intentional. He was intentional in everything that he did. And sometimes when I think about what Jesus did in his life, I don't really understand the fullness of how intentional he was in stepping into relationship and community with other people. And so we see Jesus going to pray to his heavenly father before he did any ministry. And he did this purposefully because he knew there was a relationship there that fed the rest of his ministry. 
And we see Jesus being intentional with his disciples when he called them. He called them and he went to them. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to them and he told them, come and follow me. When he called Matthew, who is a tax collector, Jesus went to Matthew's house. He didn't wait for Matthew to come to him. And Jesus ate with people who were looked down upon in society. And you think that Jesus knew what he was doing, right? He was purposeful. He was intentional. He was Jesus. And so we see Jesus being intentional when the Pharisees challenged him. He spoke out against them, asking, the Pharisees asked him, why would you eat with these sinners? Why would you eat with these tax collectors? And Jesus responds in Matthew 9, verses 12 through 13. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus knew these Pharisees needed to hear what he had to say. And so we see intentionality in everything that Jesus did and how he challenged the Pharisees and how he called other people to follow him and how he spent time with the Father. Jesus was leaving a kingdom legacy. And when Jesus left, he was passing on this legacy as well. Jesus was intentional with how he interacted with his disciples, and he set the tone for how they were to live. In Mark 14, verses 32 through 38, we read this. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Purposeful, intentional. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. Purposeful, intentional. And began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus lived a legacy through intentionality. Everywhere he went, he brought his disciples along with him. When he went to new towns, or when he went to heal people, the disciples learned. Jesus talked with them, and he said, this is what is happening. And Jesus would do his thing, and the disciples would be in awe. I'm only assuming that. And when he went to new towns, the disciples followed because they wanted everything to be close with Jesus. They wanted to learn from him. They wanted to follow him. They wanted to do what he was doing, and so they had to go where he was going. And when he talked with the Pharisees, the disciples were standing next to him, watching him interact with them. They were learning through Jesus' intentionality. Jesus lived his life so full of purpose, the disciples could not miss all he was doing for them and the legacy he was living. Because of the way of living that he was doing, the disciples also were being left a legacy, and so they were told to go and live and leave a legacy as well. It was something they witnessed firsthand. You see, Jesus had the 12 disciples with him always. 
They were with him wherever they went. And then he had the three closest to him, Peter, James, and John, who he just read about. But it was also something that they could duplicate. He didn't live in a way that couldn't be followed. He lived in a way that begged to be followed. He invited the disciples to do as he did in the entire book of Acts. The entire book of Acts are stories of what is taking place. It's duplication of what Jesus had been done, of what the disciples had just experienced. Think about it. They're fresh off a three-year stint where they're following Jesus. They're seeing miracles happen. They're seeing Jesus raise people from the dead. They're seeing Jesus cast out demons. They're seeing Jesus himself be raised from the dead. How can they not want to go and do what he has done? In Acts 1, 4 through 8, we read, And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The people that were following Jesus couldn't contain what they had just heard. They couldn't contain what they had just experienced. They had a calling directly from Jesus to not just sit, but to wait for the Holy Spirit and then to go. To go to the cities they did and didn't know. To go and be witnesses. To do what Jesus had done. To preach the gospel. To transform major influential cities. And to live and to leave a legacy. And they did But they only did this because Jesus had first taught them what to do. They would have had no idea where to start. They didn't know what was up from down, and you hear that in the the interactions between Jesus and his disciples where they would ask about these parables, and he'd be like, I just told you this. And they would question it, and he would just repeat it in another way. But he did this because he was being intentional. Jesus pointed the way for the disciples He told them to go to Jerusalem, to go to Judea, to go to Samaria, to go to the ends of the earth. And so when Jesus left this earth, the disciples went out to different areas. They taught what they had just learned. And they didn't do it themselves. They brought others along for the ride. They saw how Jesus ate with them, so they ate with others. They saw how Jesus prayed with them, so they prayed with others. They saw how Jesus invited them into relationship, so they invited others. Paul joined the group, which is a big deal because he wrote like half the New Testament. Timothy joined the group. Barnabas joined the group. Silas joined the group. All of these new disciples joining for the cause. And it wasn't just a cause to feel good about themselves, like join me. It was a cause that would last forever. It wasn't enough to just feel good. They needed purpose. They believed that what they knew about Jesus was worth setting everything aside and going forward. And so they did that. They risked it all, and they stepped into the unknown. 
And the disciples had a clear and direct calling. And the beauty of this is we have this same calling. It's not enough for us to just feel good. This calling happens, though, when we have a changed heart. And so the disciples, they had a changed heart. And they began to move towards the likeness of Jesus. And that same is for us. We do what Jesus did. We do what the disciples did. We have a calling on our lives that is supposed to be honoring and pleasing to God, but not just to honor and to please him, to be world changers so that when we interact with our neighbor, they see that there is something different. Our calling is to sit with the Father and to hear his instruction for our life, to listen to the calling he has on our lives now and know that this cause to live for him is worth putting everything aside and walking in step with him. Jesus knew his time on earth was limited, so he was intentional about everything he did. While living, he passed on all he knew to the disciples, to the people who followed him and were willing to hear him. In John 14, 12, Jesus tells his followers, you will do what I have done in even greater Can you imagine Jesus who's healed people from leprosy, who's raised people from the dead? He's saying to them, you are going to do what I have done, but you will do even greater things. The shock in my head, if I was in that place, would be like, nah, that's not possible. I'll see you later. That's, but Jesus said that to them. Jesus tells his followers that they will do things even greater than he has done. And so they start to hear this truth. They start to understand what is taking place. And again, the same thing is for us. Jesus gives them those words, but those words are recorded so that we also can step into what Jesus is calling us to do. And so the question then becomes, where are we being intentional? Where are we being intentional like Jesus was intentional? Where are we being purposeful and intentional like the disciples were intentional? Where are we not simply living a legacy, but how are we being intentional in leaving a legacy? At the church I work at, there's a phrase that is everywhere. If you're there more than one week, you will hear this phrase. With open hands, we receive from God all that he has to give us, knowing that he wants to give us a lot. And with open hands, we give to God. And we give to others, knowing that we can never fully outgive God. And this phrase is all about living and leaving a legacy. It's all about being purposeful people, being intentional, knowing that we have what we have, but it's not ours. So the love, the joy, and the peace that God gives us, we need to pass on and give the love and the joy and the peace to others. We need to be purposeful in everything we do. And while this statement can describe physical things like our our money and our skills, it goes beyond this. It goes into the spiritual realm of life. When I talk with volunteers in the student ministry I lead, I'm consistently telling them that everything we do, everything we do to lead students into a greater place needs to come from the Lord. If we're not receiving from the Lord, if he's not crafting us, if he's not shaping us, if he's not molding us, then what we're giving to the students is going to be probably good. 
but it's not the best thing that they can have because it's not from the Lord. It's just from our own internal moral place of being. And I don't want a a warm body to fill the role of a small group leader shaping these students. I want these small group leaders to be people who are going to the Father and listening to him for this calling on their lives and receiving from God all that he has to give them so that they in turn can pass it on to these students so that they can live and leave a legacy in these students' lives. It's not just about work in the church, though. I mean, most of you don't physically work in this church. It's about every part of our lives. The principle goes beyond student ministry. It goes beyond the church walls. It goes into our neighborhoods. It goes into your workplace. It goes into your schools. It goes into every part that you live your life. In your neighborhood, be purposeful with your time and energy. Invite others into your life to see how you live. Host a barbecue before it gets too cold and you are shut in because that's what we do in Minnesota. We don't come out uh, December to March. It just happens. Bring people into your sphere. Students, how are you influencing people in your schools? How are you seeking the people who might be alone in the lunchroom? How are you praying for the people in your school as you walk the halls? Have a progressive dinner in your homes. Start with your neighbors and start with this progressive meal where there's an appetizer at one home and then the main course and the dessert. My wife and I lived in St. Paul for four years. Uh, We live in South Minneapolis now. And so uh, St. Paul to South Minneapolis and I work in Chanhassen. It's a commute, I understand. But with living in the city comes a very eclectic group of people. And we lived in a condominium, so it's close living quarters, and there's only seven units, so you get to know your neighbors really, really well, probably better than you would like. But what would happen is during the winter months, we would have a progressive meal where we didn't have to go outside. We would start and eat something in every unit, and we would sit and talk with these people. We would hear their stories. We would know where they were coming from, and we would enter into relationship with them purposefully and intentionally. And that was kind of handed to us because we didn't have this idea to start a progressive meal. But it was an opportunity for us to love them in different ways. And with communal living, we would often have barbecues in the summer. We would have monthly condo meetings where we were forced to rub shoulders with these people. So we were forced into intentionality. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back because I'm letting you know we were forced into being intentional with these people. But that's what Jesus was doing He rubbed shoulders with the people that he didn't know. And he rubbed shoulders with people that were looked down on in society. This is the legacy that Jesus has left. It's the promise of eternal life. Because the Father loves us so much that he sent Jesus. And Jesus loved us so much that he was purposeful in all that he did in inviting the disciples to be with him. And the disciples were purposeful in going out and telling others about the story of Jesus. Jesus followed the Father. The disciples followed Jesus. And we are following every single one of them. The disciples brought others on board, setting the example that Jesus set. They were living and leaving a legacy because Jesus did that for them. So the start of the fall is two days away, technically, right? That's Minnesota. 
So what a great time to start being intentional in every place that we live. When you go back to school, how can you love your classmates well? When you go back to work and you're around on the weekends because you're usually gone on the weekends or your neighbors are gone on the weekends, how can you be intentional? Where can you be purposeful? How can you live and leave a legacy for them? It's vital to not just live a legacy. We must leave a legacy through the love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, you are incredible. You are a God of mercy. You are a God of intentionality. You are a God who offers up what we don't even know we need. So God, as we live our lives, let us see what you have for us. Let us hear what you have for us. Let us step into the calling that you have for us. Let us be purposeful and intentional. Let us live purposefully so that this legacy is cemented right now. But like Dallas, Brighton Moser, let it be passed on to the next generation. Like Jesus, let it be passed on to the followers who are following him. Let us be influential in all that we do. Father God, we praise you because you are glorious and because you sent your Jesus, your son Jesus, to be a legacy for us to follow after and to live with. We pray all these things in his holy name. Amen.